What's up, homies? I'm Erica. And I'm Roshane. And as always, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. We are so excited to see you guys back um, after the epic prank that we pulled on you. No hard and feelings. No hard feelings. The love is still there. Uh, if any of you did not see, we did come out with an episode last week. It just came out on Thursday and was our April Fool's episode. So go check that out if you haven't listened to it yet. We did a little head-to-head tournament where we put slacks up against the movie Bad Hair. And I think it was a pretty good fight. I would pay again to see that fight. Oh, yeah. Pay-per-view quality for sure. Those two were duking it out. And uh, if you want to know who won, you got to go back and check that episode. But don't worry. It's a good one. You won't be mad that you did. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no. Don't don't you worry. She is, in fact, a certified banger. Uh, three times platinum. I'm pretty sure. But, yeah, go check it out. And that was just our fun little April Fool's thing. Fun little bonus episode. We are back to our regularly scheduled programming of Monday episodes. And... I am very, very, very excited. I'm very excited <laughs> for this one because today we're discussing Sleepaway Camp, which is a movie that Roshane had not seen before. Nope. Which I did not know. I didn't know that you had never seen this movie, and I made a reference to this movie in our Unfriended episode and just assumed <laughs> that you had seen this before. And when we were on... The Killed the Dead podcast, we made this discovery, and they were all very emphatic about you watching this movie. Yeah, to I've, watch been, this movie. I've been catching a lot of flack for not seeing this movie, and you know what? I got tired of not understanding the references, all right? I got made a fool of during the trivia portion because that was the one question I got, and it was directed towards a movie <laughs> I ain't ever seen in my life. It's like, you know what? All right, we, we got to solve this. We got to fix this right now. Let's do this movie. Let's get this out the way. I want to find out what everybody is so hype about. And mm-hmm. so we came together and decided this is the week that we tackle Sleepaway Camp 1983. Yeah. And, uh, I will give you this before we get into anything. This is a movie. <laughs> that that that's oh, my sure. <laughs> that that's gonna be my first my first thing that I say is this was a movie. <laughs> it was an experience. Oh, guaranteed. Underneath the word movie in the dictionary, I'm pretty sure examples: Sleepaway Camp, Cat in the Hat, and Cats. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. That's actually not bad. That's not that's not a bad list. I'm not mad at that list. <laughs> Two cats. <laughs> Two cat-centric <laughs> movies on for the examples, obviously, for obvious reasons. Um, but w- without further ado, homies, let's just hop into it because much like you, I am dying to hear what he thought of <laughs> this movie. So let's just skedaddle off into the plot and get into this 
this deep dive. Sounds good to me. All right, homies, we are entering into spoiler territory, so you have been warned, but we are talking about Sleepaway Camp from 1983, which was directed and written by Robert Hiltzik, starring Felissa Rose as Angela and Jonathan Tiersten as Ricky. Eight years after a boating accident which left her immediate family dead, a traumatized and shy Angela joins her cousin Ricky at the very same camp where it all happened, Camp Arawak. Due to her quiet nature, Angela quickly becomes the target of several bullies including her bunkmate Judy and counselor Meg. After Angela barely escapes a sleazy cook trying to have his way with her, an unknown figure begins mercilessly killing the unfavorable members of Camp Arawak. Insert lunchroom socials, the shortest of shorts, and questionable age ranges here. Our film concludes with a shocking discovery and one hell of a body count. Roll credits. Okay. Let's just go ahead, <laughs> rip off the band-aid, and I want you to start first and tell me, walk me through your first impressions of this movie. What were your initial thoughts? How were you feeling? Um, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Okay. So despite the hype that I've been given in the past couple of weeks towards this movie, I did my best to go into it um, very neutral. You know, trying to give my best interpretation of like, because I feel like this is a cult classic film, right? This is a right. lot of people just kind of like love this film. Um, so I was trying to be, I was trying to be generous in my viewing. Uh, when the movie started, it was very eighties, and I think <laughs> it definitely <laughs> very very eighties, yeah. and it. Uh, I think it did a good job of putting me in the mindset for what I was about to watch, and then I proceeded to then watch the entirety of this movie. And from the get, I'm going to throw it out there that this is a, this is, what do I want to say about this? This movie, <laughs> you know what? This movie's got flaws. It's got flaws and it's got a ton of flaws. However, this movie also has a hell of a lot of charm. And I found myself enjoying this movie more than I thought I would, um, despite everything that was going on. Granted, there was some stuff that I couldn't like let go. Like there were some scenes that happened where I was wide eyed, mouth open, trying to like really register what I just saw. Right. <laughs> however, however, I think I get it. Like I do think I get why people like this movie. I think I understand why it's got the following that it does because it was like, it's a fun watch. It's a fun, it's a fun movie to watch. And the one thing that I will give it from the get is I do think it did a great job of recreating the nostalgic feelings of camp. I do. I did really I really vibed with that as somebody who did go to sleepaway camp when I was younger. I do think they did a great job of capturing that environment. Um, the characters were interesting. The plot itself, although, you know, 80s slasher movie plot, like it was enough to like get me through <laughs> I don't know, dude. It's like, I feel like every time I started like losing faith in this movie, some wacky shit happened that just brought me back. And I think that's why <laughs> I enjoyed it. Like right. just from, just from like first impressions. Um, every time the movie started losing me, 
something wild and crazy would just happen where I'm like, I got to give this movie my full attention again. <laughs> I got to give it another shot. <laughs> yeah. like, I just, I, I got to keep going. Yeah. Um, but that was, that was my, that was my first impressions. I was like flawed, but very fun, very fun. And I enjoyed it. But mm-hmm. what about, okay. What about you though? How many times have you, how many times have you seen this movie? Like what's your history with this? Cause I know we've talked about it, but I don't really know your background with this movie. I've probably seen this movie like, Including this recent rewatch, this is probably like four or five times. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched it a lot. Most most of those watches were when we were in college because my roommate at the time had all of the sleepaway camps. Well, he had one, two, three mm-hmm. on DVD. And so I just watched them back to back to back. And I hadn't seen it since then. Until this recent rewatch, I, I don't really know why I kind of like I, I think it was just when I as much as I enjoy watching it every time I watch it, I don't necessarily always feel the need to watch it. But I do think that this is a really fun movie to introduce to people and to watch with people. And I really liked it the first time that I watched it. It kind of was everything that I love. And then because of, as I've said before, homies, I love 80s horror movies. I think that they are very fun. I think that they are creative and as cheesy as a lot of them can be. I love that cheesiness of them. It's almost like a, it's like a warm cup of cocoa, like on a cold night. Something <laughs> about it just makes me feel like, mm, I love this. <laughs> I feel safe. So this movie encompasses a lot of that. The kills are great. The It is so bizarre. The, the things that they say, the things that happen are so weird. And all of yep. most of these characters are cheesy 80s characters that you want to see get killed and Bow and appetite to the way that they get killed. Every death is perfect, in my opinion. And I enjoy that despite it happening at a camp, which is not fresh and, you know, to us now, that's not like, oh, this is cutting edge. This is breaking news. Like, we've seen many, many movies that, horror movies that have occurred at camps. Mm -hmm. But I do like that this movie really does focus on it's not about the counselors. It's not about the older teens. It's about these younger kids who are attending the camp. And that is the focal of the story. And you really, really get to dive into all kinds of different people that are at the camp. Like you get little, little kids. And then you get Mel, who is this old, you know, the old owner of the camp. Like the age range spans. And... I just think that all the characters are so much fun. I think that this is perfect campy, campy camp killings. Yeah. yeah. Put put that, oh my God, put that as a headline. Campy camp killings. Campy camp killings. Oh my that's God. the one, that's the tagline. <laughs> um, but I, I, when I rewatched this, I enjoyed it just as much as I did the first time, maybe even more because I knew the ending that was coming and i which we gotta talk about like we're we're gonna talk about that ending for sure (laughs) don't y'all worry we're gonna be we will chat it up about that but i enjoyed watching the build-up to that knowing exactly who the killer was Mm -hmm. and there was a honestly there was a lot of stuff that happens in this movie that i forgot happened 
and surprise me, the, the one death that I remembered was the curling iron death. I had forgotten all of the other ones. Oh, so, really? Okay. Yes. So that was fun for me to rewatch and get reacquainted with because obviously the curling iron death is just one that's stuck in my head and for good reason for very good reason that death is is brutal and very very (laughs) very um unexpected and i i mean not that she died the girl deserved to die (laughs) it's what she deserved but (laughs) i wasn't expecting the curling iron and i wasn't expecting it to be inserted where where it got inserted you feel me yeah i you know we're not even there yet but it what i think happened happened right like that curl and iron went straight up her cooch right is is that you are is that, correct okay all right because yes. they they do an artsy interpretation of what happens but i feel like on a first watch you're straight up like did she just or did he just did, did, did that just go i just need it. <laughs> can we can we run that back? <laughs> uh, can we get playback on that tape real quick? It's the replay, um, please, please. Damn. No, no, that's that's fair. Yeah, they definitely do. It's they play a lot with uh, like shadow in this scene, and everything is very much implied. But which it's I very... mean, okay, it makes sense. Like you, you got kids, so it's like hundred oh, right, percent. Right, right. Like I get why they take the route that they do with some of these kills. And, oh, I I completely agree, and I think that the way that they portray these kills is very clever mm-hmm. um because a lot of it is implied and then you see the aftermath yeah. which is great which i like yeah and- i like that i like that they did that it didn't bother me mm-hmm. at all that we didn't really see most of the deaths yeah we saw we saw what initiated the death and we saw what happened afterwards and that was mm-hmm. kind of like all you really needed oh yeah because I, I it's like i say what you imagine is worse sometimes than what they are able to show um but i do think what they did for her death in particular and that was judy right yeah so what they did for judy's death that i think was smart is you know all throughout this movie where it's very obvious that judy is promiscuous and that is kind of her downfall and you know they're going very much the way of like you have sex you get killed like (laughs) route but that's what judy's character is and that when we see her death, they the killer puts a pillow over her face. So it's like we know it's not going anywhere near her face. And then mm-hmm. we see her legs. And then we see the shadow of yeah. the curling iron <laughs> being <laughs> shoved somewhere. And so it's very they do a very good job of getting across what they need to get across without, you know, getting into crazy territory. Yeah. And like the the one thing I did notice too, and this is just a tribute to that time period, is I feel like the practical effects really help this movie out a ton. Oh, they're uh, they're awesome. Yeah, they're great. It's it's so it's so refreshing to get to like see stuff happen as opposed to you know just watching the CGI aftermath of it. Like in a lot of movies these days, like. God, I just miss, I really do miss practical effects. And I know they're more expensive and I get why a lot of people are transitioning to CGI. But whenever I feel like whenever you go back and you watch these like older movies and you see what they did when they only had the option of practical effects, it's just so admirable 
the stuff that they're able to do. And like, Mm. they're so creative with how they use the effects too. That's just, it's wild to me. Like the simplest thing from like somebody getting burned looks like a thousand times more brutal when you slap on some practical effects to it. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, um, there's a, a documentary on this movie that we both watched and it's available on YouTube and they kind of, you know, broke down some of the practical effects. And it's crazy how simple some of this stuff was, but it looks amazingly effective. Mm-hmm. Like the like the burn on the face apparently was just gelatin in liquid form that they put on top of this guy's face and they like pumped air and smoke to make it bubble up. Yeah. And it looks way better than what obviously CGI of that time would have looked like. But shoot, even CGI of this time be looking kind of crazy. And I think for a movie that had a $335,000 budget and so had to be very mindful of what they could spend money on and what they could do, they obviously put a lot of care and thought into the practical effects. And even in instances where it's very obvious that it's like, you know, a, a, a mold of somebody's face, like, or, a you know, a dummy head, it still is way more effective to me than if it had been done digitally. Mm. So I'm very appreciative of the way that they did it. I think that that's just another thing, too, that just, like, adds to the charm of this movie. And some of the effects look ins- – like, the the arrow – Going yeah, through the, the neck. arrow. That's that's a crazy. That's a crazy scene that they were able to do in the eighties. And like I, when I when I first saw that scene, it's it's funny because I saw it and then it didn't really register to me like how crazy that shot was until mm-hmm. we were watching the documentary about it and they kind of broke down how they actually did that particular stunt. Essentially, they had like a mechanism built. To, so like the arrow was, I guess, attached to his back or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so when he gets shot with like the dull arrow in his throat, the mechanism shoots out. So you get to see like the the other side of the arrow go through his neck. And when you watch the movie, you don't see like none of that is none of that is flagged. Like you don't see any of it because the shot's so quick. Like the character's just on screen, takes an arrow through the neck and you just move on. And it's like. They didn't cut away or like do any crazy camera tricks to make that work. Like that was a practical effects stunt that they rigged up and it looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it's just it one does. of those things where it's like I I think that's that's a big pull for me for this movie is there's a lot of work that went like campiness and silliness aside. There was a ton of work attached to this movie and I can respect the level of effort that went into the making of this movie, um, despite all the silliness, because mm-hmm. this was this movie was really a labor of love. And when you hear the people who worked on it, most of them talk about it. <laughs> it, it definitely uh, comes across that way. And it's I, I, I definitely recommend you guys check out that documentary, but it definitely enhances the experience of this movie when you actually find out the background of a lot of the things in this movie. Oh yeah, and and I agree. It's and it's really heartwarming to hear them talk about how much fun they had making this movie. It really does sound like it was like going to camp with your friends. Mm-hmm. And I think that that a lot of that comes from the fact that most of the actors in this movie who are playing teenagers are actual teenagers and yeah. are all around the same age. So 
as the character that they're playing, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it just seems like a bunch of friends that got to hang out and shoot this movie for a while. <laughs> um, and <laughs> let's talk about the the opening scene, because I want to know what your thoughts were. Starting this movie, and you see this. there's these two little twin kids, mm-hmm. Angela and Peter, I think is his name. Yeah, it's Peter. Yeah, on a boat with their dad. And then, and everything's nice and peaceful. And two minutes later, a boat basically chops their bodies in half. Well, all of them, except for, <laughs> except for one. one child who we don't see the face of. We see the back of their head and like their wet hair. So you don't know if it's Angela or if it's Peter that has survived this boating accident. Mm-hmm. But the girl screaming... I feel like that's all you need to know exactly what this movie is going to be. The girl that was being dragged by the boat that killed them mm-hmm. and how long they allowed her to continue to just improv and scream. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and the shots, the, <laughs> the way that they cut it, it's like a shot of a body floating and then it cuts to the girl screaming and it cuts back and you see a life vest pop up and it cuts back to the girl screaming and i love when it cuts over i love when it cuts over to the dads um i'm not sure if it was either his boyfriend or if they were married but it cuts over to the dad's partner and he's just like he like whispers his name (laughs) and then it cuts back to the girl screaming it's so i laugh bruh it's the most 80s shit i've ever seen (laughs) john (laughs) john my first thought about that scene was this was the most avoidable boat accident i've ever seen in my entire life uh (laughs) yeah like none the catalyst to this entire movie none of that shit had to happen first and foremost all y'all had to be doing is looking straight while driving a boat and all of this would could have been avoided like yes either one of you the fact that both of the people in the boat were both looking back <laughs> for the same amount of time and then both looked forward at the exact same time was preposter i was like this guy because the whole setup, right, is that there's a girl and a guy and they're driving the boat and the girl is like, come on, let me drive, even though she's never driven a boat. And the guy is so adamant about how dangerous that is, but he lets her drive it and then he just completely stops paying attention. He's like, huh. Man, wouldn't it be cool if we killed somebody today? <laughs> Anyways, how's Catherine doing back there? And then they look back <laughs> for forever. And that's, yeah, that's why they kill them. But also not to, not to give them any, you know, leeway here because they did murder people. Um, Why didn't the dad try to move himself or the kids at all? (laughs) He just gave up. He was like, it's "Ah, it's been a good life for all of us, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I'll give him this. I think, like, at the last second of that shot, you can see him, like, attempt to do something. I don't know what it was because we weren't yeah. on that shot for long. He attempted to do something. I think he tried to, like, toss one of the kids yeah, out of like the way. Yeah, like, out of or, the like, way or something like that. shelter one of them. Yeah, I couldn't really tell. But even in the 80s, I'm fairly sure if a motorboat is heading in your general direction, you will hear that bitch. Like, you will hear mm-hmm. the approach of said motorboat. Um, it is a big suspense of disbelief for me 
that even the small children couldn't have seen that boat coming <laughs> from an actual mile away. <laughs> I just, and then the guy inside of the motorboat, he's like, turn the wheel, turn the wheel. They have plenty of time. They have so much time. This is not like this is not a Titanic iceberg situation where it's like it was too late and the boat was too big. You guys had plenty of time to turn the wheel. She doesn't, and then he decides at the last minute to try and yank it. But it's like even when he tries to turn the wheel, it doesn't turn them at all. They continue <laughs> to go straight and like totally annihilate this guy. I'm, <laughs> I mean, Bruh. it's it's just uh, what an opening. The, but I'm an convinced opening. that this scene was the inspiration for both. The Austin Powers scene where Homeboy gets slowly oh rolled God. over. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorite scenes of anything. And fucking the Deadpool movie when Homeboy gets killed by a Zamboni. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think this this boat accident was the catalyst for any slow approaching vehicle smushing somebody. I'm convinced now is a is a love child of this ridiculous scene (laughs) (laughs) it's great honestly this this scene is such a good opening scene and it is though it it is it puts you tone yep 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 it puts you right in the mindset of it Mm -hmm. you know exactly what you're getting you're like okay i'm on track i'm on board i know what we're doing i know what kind of movie we are getting um but then you know we we flash forward and we realize to that, that house. Wait. To that house. Yo, that- this mom, though. <laughs> this mom, though. We oh, gonna talk Aunt, about Aunt it. Martha? Aunt Martha? <laughs> she, she's, she's great. She, I don't know. She reminds me of something that would be in, like, Pee-wee's Playhouse. Like a character. That would like, show up at his door. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, why... Why is Martha, Martha? You know what? Martha was just too good to be there, man. That's what I'm convinced. Like Martha was out here going for an Oscar nom during this, <laughs> during this establishing scene. I was like, I can't with the <laughs> Martha was like for your consideration. I would like, <laughs> I would like to submit myself <laughs> for the for the getting ready to go to camp scene. <laughs> Like, it seemed like, it. you know what it was? It was 100% Martha's scene, and both Angela and Ricky were just there just because. Like, yeah. they, that, because I believe that was that was the first scene that they shot for this movie. And I'm convinced mm-hmm. that the two of them were just like, we're just going to let her do the do her yeah. thing. We're going to let her just rock and roll. And, and Martha, I mean, it truly was her world, and they were just living in it. She it is, was. She it is was. the main star, because she is absolutely eating oh she's eating the girls up in this scene she cannot be tamed and it's funny and obviously so we realize that Angela is the one that survived and Angela doesn't talk for a lot of this movie she doesn't have a ton of lines so really the only people that are talking in this scene are Martha and Ricky Mm -hmm. and Martha can't she won't let the boy breathe she has her (laughs) foot uh, steady on his neck and she is just acting for the gods she like ah i'm trying to think of how she talks we'll have to like insert we have to insert some of her lines because oh, of course the way she delivers them is fantastic hurry sweeties we don't want to be late for the boss look what i did 
you and your cousin some goodies for the ride up to camp. Wasn't that nice of me? Hmm? Angela, isn't there anything special my little girl would care for? Hmm? She's like, she's she's out here delivering Pride and Prejudice during camp. <laughs> during the crucible. <laughs> the <fucking> crucible. <laughs> like, I was so taken aback. I honestly watched the scene twice because I was like, did I just imagine that performance? I was like, I gotta watch that again. <laughs> about it that's so interesting to me is so obvious like so angela now lives with aunt martha because she doesn't have any family left and aunt martha has taken her in but ricky is her son so it's just so i just have to wonder what ricky's life was like living with her and how he is so different he is so different than her Mm -hmm. and it's just such an interesting dynamic that because obviously Angela is a little weird and you could obviously, you know, she's been through some shit, but also that is who her caregiver is now. So you could kind of see where she probably is, has some issues. Ricky is just this normal teenage boy who's just really protective of his cousin. But mm-hmm. he, other than that, he's like a totally normal guy. I'm like, what is it like when Ricky brings home his friends? And I'm like, sure oh, he doesn't, dude. Like my I, mom. <laughs> I, I, I highly doubt he's bringing anybody home. Matter of fact, I feel like he's so well adjusted because of how kooky and wacky his mom is. Like, just yeah. imagine every morning you got to go to school, waking up to, oh, hello, Ricky. It's time. It's time for you to go to school. Yeah. The bus is here. I've made you a bowl of milk. I have mm, <laughs> delicious. Do you want me to add some frosted flakes to that? Yeah, and you're just like, oh my. <laughs> God, <laughs> get me out of here. Yeah, so I'm sure Ricky is probably clawing to go to summer camp every summer because Ricky has been to summer camp before. This is Angela's first time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that boy is probably, as soon as summer rolls around, he's like, please tell me you enrolled me at Camp Arawak. Please, mom. Because <laughs> I can get the God, fuck up out of this out house. Of this, get me out of this goddamn house. <laughs> Oh, yeah, but that scene, and that's just another thing. It's like you get two scenes back-to-back that I think perfectly establish the tone of this movie and perfectly set you up for what kind of characters and what kind of situations you are going to be getting within this movie. Yeah, because this movie is just chock full of so many different characters. That's like, Mm -hmm. that's the big thing that carries this movie is like you're just watching all these very specific characters and like, you know, some of them are a little caricature but for good use. Like, they fit in this movie. Right. And like, so, once we get to the camp and stuff and things start going on and like, it starts getting kind of murderous and whatnot, we, we're, <laughs> we, we start to realize this, this trend of like, it's really all the assholes at camp that are getting murdered. Like, everybody that's getting murdered... Yeah has it coming basically um which i i kind of like that they did that because i think a lot of times when you get a horror movie based at a camp right it's usually the the uh the people at the camp being terrorized by a killer usually because they're having sex like let's be real that's been like Mm -hmm. the through line for so many goddamn movies um but this one's a little different where it's like a we don't necessarily know who the killer is 
And then B, the people who are getting killed kind of deserve that shit. So it mm-hmm. puts you in this, it, it puts you in a different mindset for this film because you're almost kind of like rooting for the killer and yeah. you kind of always know who's about to die next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're enjoying watching the kills because you're like, he had it coming. Like, I knew this was going to happen. I was waiting for it to happen. Yeah. Um, and, like, and, when, when pedophile oh, dude got killed, oh, oh, my God, I cheered. I was like, get him away. Yeah. I have not been that uncomfortable watching anything in so I'm, long. And I am very happy that he is one of the first people to go. I'm glad we don't spend you know, too much time throughout the movie having to deal with his character. Mm-hmm. Um, because out of all of them, he is the most despicable. He's easily and the worst. Easily. So, yeah, so it's nice to just have him gone and, like, have him get his just desserts and then leave it, leave it be. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is the one that obviously gets the the scolding hot, the giant pot of boiling hot water. This thing is giant. This man has to be the worst chef ever because he goes to grab the lid off of this giant pot that's way taller than him, burns the shit out of his hand because he didn't know it was going to be hot, even though the entire thing is made of metal. Mm-hmm. And then he like gets up on this unsteady ass stool <laughs> by himself. I was like, you were asking for an accident you are an accident waiting to happen like i even if even if the killer hadn't come along i can't imagine you would have made it through the summer the way that you're acting reckless in this kitchen honestly the funniest thing about that scene too though is like (laughs) it seems like such an easy kill i don't know if that's the word i wanted to use there but it's just like something about the way they shot it of just him just standing on a chair and you just get a hand holding the chair and he's like no don't you do no. it? Yeah. And it's like we are meant to believe that this chi- this child gave this man a light a light little tushy push and he <laughs> completely lost his balance and he's like dangling over the pot, right? And so the only thing that's keeping him there is the chair or he needs someone to like help him regain his balance and like mm-hmm. steady back up. Dude, oh my god, if that was me, I would just I'd say, you know what? My arm is, uh, one of my limbs is going to need to take one for the team. I would like push myself away from the pot <laughs> and like just fall. fall over. Just um, literally just fall any other direction. Like, look, bro, I'm, hap- yeah. I'm happy you got you got cooked like like camp soup. Like, don't get me wrong. Oh, like, you, you deserve that shit. But you had so many ways that you could have survived that small encounter, my guy. Yeah, or push yourself off of the wall, and then you would just fall backwards. Yeah. I mean, you would have died anyway. He for sure would have died. She, like, he would have been killed yeah. either way, I'm sure. But it is a funny, it's just a funny image of him balancing himself. And he's like, you little shit, help, get over here. And, like, balancing over the top of the pot. But, yeah, his death is great because he, you know, is disgusting. Also, bro, this camp staff though, like weird. Am I am I am I the one that that is um unknowledgeable here? Has camp always looked so strange? Like fifty or ninety year old men running the camp and then thirty year old camp counselors walking around in the the shortest shortest of shorts. shorts. 
the shortest shorts, but then there's also like 18-year-olds who I guess are part of the kitchen staff. And then obviously you have the camp counselors, which that's normal. But yeah, it's a very strange group of <laughs> group of people working at this camp and we got the, uh, the olympic shot putter <laughs> like who was that hercules looking motherfucker that was a counselor like i remember <laughs> we're in the we're in the cafeteria and this man comes in there walking like goddamn he-man i'm like what are you doing at this <laughs> wait camp, are you talking bro? about the crop top guy I think I think it's like Ronnie or something like that. Not oh. the crop, not the crop top guy. Not the crop top guy. The other one. Because Ronnie, Ronnie's the one that wears the tightest and the shortest of shorts. Uh huh. And then the crop top guy is the one that's in charge of Ricky's. Bunk. Yeah, not the not the one in charge of Ricky's bunk. The other guy. Oh my god, I don't know. And now I want to look back and see. Let's be honest. The most unbelievable part of this movie. Is that Meg would even be a drip <laughs> interested in Mel? Uh-huh. My sh- my shookethness when <laughs> when that conversation took place. I'm like, I'm sorry. He's old enough to be your great grandfather. What is this? He is old enough to be your ancestor that your family tells you <laughs> stories about, and you wanna sleep with him and the thing about it is it's out of nowhere we don't get any kind of build-up between the two of them prior to it's just all of a sudden meg is horny and she and she's like but what if what if i had some of that mel dick and that is the most (laughs) unbelievable bit of this movie that they would have any kind of like I mean, not for Mel. I mean, but also at the same time, yeah, that is also kind of weird because up until then, we haven't had Mel is, yeah, this sleazy businessman, but he has not been a sleazy guy in the sense of being attracted to women that are considerably younger than him. We don't even know how old Meg is. I assume an oh my god, my fingers are crossed that she is 18. Yeah. But we don't know. Nobody yeah. knows. Nobody and the knows. worst part, the well, not the worst part, it's just an added bit of shit to that is like the other counselors didn't give a shit when he was like going around <laughs> asking, he's like, hey, y'all seen y'all seen Meg? It's like they were so casual about like, oh yeah, she's probably back at y'all yeah. could hear in his voice. He even was like, Yeah, we're supposed to meet up later. And not even not even batting yeah. one eyelash did he's, any of those yeah. counselors. He's like sweating. He's like, Has anybody seen Meg? We were supposed to, <laughs> we were supposed to meet. And they're like, Yeah, it's her night off. And he's like, Yeah, I know that, but we were supposed to meet each other. And they're like, Oh, she's in the shower. What the fuck? Don't tell him he's <laughs> he, she's in the shower. And then they just allow him to go check on her in the shower, even though they don't know if she's still naked or what have you. These counselors don't give a fuck because also, so we, like we said, many, most of the people that die in this movie, you know, they did bad things and then you kind of know, oh, okay, yeah, they're going to die. But the director says the one or the killing that he regrets and would probably not 
be in the film if he was doing this again, is there's this group of little kids. Like, they're probably the youngest kids at the camp. And their counselor takes them out camping in the middle of the woods for some reason. And then he leaves them. Like, he he brings some of them back because some of them are having a bad time. And then he leaves the rest of them sleeping alone in the woods. And <laughs> basically... <laughs> The only reason that I I have to agree with the director, this is the only kill that seems like a reach for me, because the only reason that these kids get killed is because they threw sand. Yeah. On like they were just kind of they were just being kids and they threw sand on um, Angela and Ricky when they were getting out of the water. And uh, compared to everybody else's crime, quote unquote, crimes in the movie, that is so insignificant, and it makes no sense for all of these kids to just be straight up hacked and <laughs> slashed in their sleep because they threw sand. It, and I know, and I know that in this moment that this happens, um, they're really ramping up the kill count. Like a lot of people are getting murdered on this one night mm-hmm. because we have obviously reached a breaking point, and. So I understand that they needed. They're just trying to up. They're trying to up the stakes. Yeah, and and they needed a pretty serious kill because up until this moment, most of the counselors didn't know what was going on. But now that this has happened, everybody knows what's going on. But yeah, it's just it's a bizarre one. I agree with him. I think that's the only death that's like what the heck. But everybody else other than that is great. Yeah, and it's funny because, like, when we watched the documentary, I thought that, too. It was, like, when it happened in the movie, I don't know if it was just the ridiculous of, ridiculousness of the movie, but, like, I wasn't really phased by that that it happened. I think I just kind of, like, glossed over it because there was a lot of shit going down at the time. Because, mm-hmm. um, like, I, I didn't even piece together who the kids were and, like, why they died. Like, I, I didn't even, like, make the correlation there. I was just like, oh, damn, all these kids are dead now um more deaths that's kind of like where my brain went when it happened but then when he talked about it i was like oh yeah that was excessive we that was (laughs) that was completely unnecessary like we didn't need that yeah i love the counselor's reaction though it's actually pretty good (laughs) and that reaction is the most believable yeah it was actually it was it was like a weird moment of um of like honesty i was just like oh damn like somebody he should get a pay bump for that reaction that was a really like uh grounded mm -hmm. reaction it randomly becomes like a really really it randomly becomes like a martin scorsese film for a minute (laughs) the like acting level and then immediately it cuts back to (laughs) you know what we're used to Mm -hmm. um but i i do although the, the curling iron death is probably still my favorite Mm -hmm. but i have to say because this is one of my favorite parts of the movie although meg's death isn't my favorite the speech that mel gives when he finds her body (laughs) is perfect Stop him. It 
is the one of my favorite parts of this movie his little like freak out speech moment where he like goes <laughs> he goes on like this vigilante mission to find her killer oh it, it's great i love that moment so much it's really it's good perfect it's really good i didn't know that we we're getting into some shakespearean love <laughs> yes. uh triangle Sonnets. here <laughs> yeah <laughs> like <laughs> I don't know when this relate. I don't know when in the ten minutes ago that this relationship started that he fell so deeply for Meg that he wants to seek Batman level justice for her. But mm-hmm. I was I was also here for that monologue. Yeah, was great. the way that he's talking to her, you would think that they had been in a relationship for they were fucking married. For, it felt for like. years or something. Yeah. <laughs> But they had this deep bond that was now severed by the cruel hands of fate. I was like, I haven't seen you speak to Meg once since camp began. As far as I know, all Meg does is torment Angela. And apparently that's her job is like 10% counselor, 90% making sure that Angela has the worst time at camp. Right. She had such a weird vendetta against Angela because she wouldn't talk. Like it was just <laughs> yeah. it was so much rage over such a simple character trait that's very normal. Like she's just shy. She's shy. Why yeah. are you so upset that she won't talk to you? Everybody's like, Angela's just shy. And Judy and Meg were like, I'm about to beat this bitch up for no <laughs> reason. And it's funny because even once Angela starts talking, I mean, at this point. At the point in time when Angela does eventually start talking, I think that they have just already hated her for so long. Judy's hatred stemmed a lot deeper, it seemed, because, like, Angela was connected to Ricky, and apparently Ricky and Judy used to be a thing. And then she just was already mad at Angela, and then Angela and Paul start dating, and Judy is jealous. So her, her like, her hatred... It's at least had some she had some grips on like reasons why, even if they were completely nonsensical. Mm-hmm. I think Meg just was Meg was just friends with Judy and was like, oh, you hate her. Cool. Me too. Um, <laughs> I'll throw just, her in the water. She was a, <laughs> for she was a ride or die hater. Is literally all Meg was. A truly ride or die hater. Yeah. She, she could she could not wait to just like fuck Angela shit up every every day every- she woke up like, all right. How am, How am I going to fuck with Angela yeah. today? What can I do to Angela today? Oh, she doesn't want to play volleyball? Yeah, it was like, Angela didn't want to play volleyball. Meg's like, you stupid fucking bitch. What do you think you're at camp for? I was like, Jesus Christ. God damn. The, I was going to say, one of, my, one of my favorite parts, and like I feel like most people's favorite parts for this movie, I may be overreaching speaking for everybody, but I feel like it's like related to kills usually. And homeboy getting wrecked by the bees in the bathroom. <laughs> I don't know why that scene was so funny to me. <laughs> I, yeah. I think while I was watching it, I wrote, damn, didn't even let Bill finish pooping. Because he's like <laughs> mid-push. He's He comes in and he's like, oh, I got to take a wicked poop or a wicked dump or whatever he says. He goes into the bathroom. He probably hasn't even had a chance to find a good page in his magazine yet. And immediately we got bees. And I was mm-hmm. like, dang, dude, 
Didn't even let my man finish. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't even get out the first log. It was such a complex and unnecessary way to kill somebody. But <laughs> yeah. he was like such a dick that I was like, all right, cool. Because it's like, one, first off, killer traps homeboy in the stall immediately as he starts pooping. Then like we get the shot of the knife like going through. And I was like, oh, is he just going to like stab him through the window like with Mm -hmm. the knife that's what i thought was gonna happen but then when it goes slice slice and then insert a beehive with (laughs) clearly no bees in it like that's the thing is like it's still an 80s movie so clearly there are no bees on this (laughs) on this beehive stick Mm -hmm. however when the when the stall finally opens and bill drops out of the stall he is consumed by bees yeah. like there are there's a bee on every centimeter of this man's body yeah absolutely covered head to toe i was like dang he must be tasty because the, <laughs> the way these bees were snacking honey i was like okay and yeah he he um Ah, dude, I, I just know those camp poops be different like i know that they probably are they're necessary and they are they're stressful they're rough they're, they're stressful rough. they're stressful to, the, to add in that element oh my bruh, god that that one hit too close to home i will op- <laughs> i will openly say when i went to when i went to my first sleepaway camp i don't think i pooped for like three days like oh, straight no. up because i'm like i i already don't like pooping in public places this might be tmi like i already don't like pu- public poops and so add in the factor of now you're at camp with a bunch of people your age that all know when you're about to go poop. And then you just have to go in the most disgusting bathroom you've ever seen in your life. And you got to do the most sacred part of your day in there. Damn. It's the worst. It's the worst. Worst part about sleepaway camp by far. And fix your bathroom. <laughs> fix it. Well, and that's something that I did notice from this movie that I thought was interesting because I've never been to the sleepaway camp. Um, It probably would have been not a great experience for me, so I'm glad I never went. But like they, the bathroom situation, that's something that I never really thought of about sleepaway camp, but it looks like it is hellish. And that's another thing that's funny to me is like they, they chastise Angela because she doesn't shower at the same time that everybody else showers. She takes her shower in the morning rather than in the evening. And to me, that just she's that's smart. Like, oh, she's just smarter than everybody else because she showers when nobody else is in the shower. So she doesn't have to wait in line because we see later that Meg has to wait in like a five person line just to take a shower, which is why she goes to the other cabin. And I was like, you guys are just mad because Angela's thinking she's thinking smarter so Mm -hmm. that's why you're salty (laughs) that's the real reason man everybody everybody just hating on angela for no like angela angela was just minding her own damn business and no one could leave her alone like like y'all leave leave angela alone they were obsessed with her she had her own little fan club because everybody was all in her business all the time and i do really like the character of Ricky is probably my favorite character because I love, first of all, I think his insults are delicious. They are delightful. But also I love that he is this regular teenage boy 
who wants to go to camp and wants to have fun, wants to hang out with his friends and be just kind of like, you know, this shitty kid who doesn't have any parental supervision. But he is truly like it when it comes to his cousin. Oh my God! You yeah, Ricky, he's Ricky will kill. Like, and that's the thing about it. It's like Ricky is willing to throw hands when it comes to his cousin, no matter what. Somebody, no matter how many people, he got into a fight with eight other boys and basically like <laughs> got jumped <laughs> because he was trying to protect his cousin. And I think that, and I love that. Um, and I think that that was really smart because for a lot of this movie, you aren't really sure. You're you're flip flopping between Angela or Ricky because they both have significant motives, and yeah. one of Ricky's big ones is that he is always standing up for his cousin, and he's willing to take on anybody who makes her feel bad. Yeah. And so every time, every character that gets killed, they've had some kind of interaction with Ricky beforehand or so Angela can, or Angela right they've they've had some kind of interaction with both of them beforehand but most of the time the interaction they have with Ricky is much more aggressive mm-hmm. so you could see how it could be it could be him yeah because that's the that's the whole thing about this movie right it's like it's, it's not so much that you care that the people are killing but it's more like a who's done it or who did it like is it Angela mm-hmm. who's doing it or is it Ricky who's doing it yeah and then we get to the um, the legendary ending itself, where we find out finally who done did it. Who did? Who did did it? Um, but and so, do we want to do we want to discuss the ending or? Yeah, I mean, shall yeah. we dive in? <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, go ahead. So this ending, this ending. So basically, we discover that it was Angela all along. And she was the killer. And we discover this after Ricky has been absolutely thrashed by Mel. <laughs> Mel went King Kong on this boy. He, the way that he was beating down on Ricky. I thought he was dead. I, I real he thought looks he dead. was dead. Mel, Mel is just a mess. So he, he thought it was Ricky the whole time. And so <laughs> after all this, we discover that it is Angela And she has been the killer the entire time. But we also do a flashback and we discover that Angela is actually Peter, her twin brother. He was the one that survived the accident. But when he went to go live with Aunt Martha, she basically was like, "Uh, I already have a boy. I've always wanted a girl. So you're Angela now. And so has brought him up as Angela and so the final shot of this movie is Angela with her mouth open in a very um, weird way. There's this like screeching noise or hissing noise. She is <laughs> she is holding Paul, Paul, her boyfriend, ex-boyfriend now, obviously. Uh, she's holding his head in her hand and she's completely nude and has a penis, obviously, because she's she it's peter so but you know what's funny and i never realized this before is like so ronnie the like main ronnie and Susie, i think her name yeah so ronnie and Susie were the two counselors that were always very nice to angela and mm-hmm. they stumble upon her and i love that ronnie's ronnie's like Oh my God, she's a boy. That's the thing that he's focused on, and not the fact that she's holding Paul's severed hand. 
and a knife and that there's blood dripping down her body. He's like, oh my God, she's a boy. Despite the fact that, oh, what about all the people she killed? <laughs> Ronnie? Get, what are you do? What do you, just keep it quiet. Don't say nothing. This is too much. This is too much. Like, and apparently to Ronnie, that was the thing that had him the most shook. And I was like, Ronnie? There is a decapitated child two inches this, to his left. This, boy just, this boy's been killed. This, <laughs> she has very obviously killed this child. Yeah, um, I guess that wasn't Ronnie's concern. He was like, you know what? I didn't really like Paul that much. But you, Angela? I thought we were friends. I'm like, okay. Um, but yeah, so that's the big twist of this movie. That is what everybody you know is excited for new people to see is the the that twist ending. of it all so uh, oh and also too before we get too too much into the discussion of the what we think of it our, ourselves two little fun facts from the documentary that i thought were interesting is one the hands that we see throughout because we only ever see the killer's hands are actually the actor who plays Ricky, they were his hands. Because mm -hmm. A, Felissa's mother wanted to kind of, because she was the youngest, I think, of all of the actors on set. She, Her mother wanted to shield her. She didn't want her to be involved in seeing all the gore and all the murder, so she didn't want her to be the hands and be involved in the, in the filming of those scenes. Mm -hmm. And two, they... If it was her hands, it would have been a lot more obvious that she was the killer because, you know, you can tell a young girl's hands versus uh, the the actor of Ricky's hands who are, you know, they're, they, you, like, they're still small because he was younger, but they're, it's a little bit harder to figure out who they possibly could be. Of course, there is one shot. <laughs> there is one, the shot of when he comes in and kills Judy. Yeah. And he's standing in the doorway and he's wearing a wig. <laughs> it's very clearly Ricky. It's so obviously Ricky. Yeah, it's obviously his actor. I don't think that they meant for as much light to be shining on his face mm -hmm. as there is. Um, but that's the only time where you're like, okay, it's definitely yeah. him. <laughs> but I mean, that's, um, that's, that's throughout the whole movie, though. So it's like there are, there are such little production things that you just have to let go. Otherwise, yeah. you won't be able to enjoy the movie. One of which, which I'm, I'm actually thankful that we're on this subject because I did not want this episode to go by without making a very honorable mention to the police officer's R.I.P. <laughs> mustache. Oh, my God. His mustache. Yeah, they had this actor who was a police officer, and they had him for an earlier shot, and he had this lovely, full, luscious, luscious. real mustache. And they had to call him back, and he had already shaved it off for another role. So they went to the, the joke store. They bought a 99-cent stick-on mustache. They propped it on this man's face. Bruh, they slapped that man's face with some duct tape and called it a day. <laughs> like, they said, that's going to have to do. They said, just go ahead and stick some hair. Stick some hair on that tape. Yeah, that's fine. That'll work. And they would have, and you know what? They would have got, and they would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for that meddling shot where they close up on his face <laughs> and you can see that the mustache is like very obviously <laughs> flat. It's like fake hair. It's like, it's like hair from a, 
I don't know, like a sheep or something. It's like not the same texture of, as human hair. It's and so I'm like, blatantly Dang. obvious. And I'm like, I don't even care. You know what? At this point in the movie, it's I'm just, here for it. It's so charming, though. You're like, eh, it's fine. Um, but yeah, so that that's another reason that it's kind of hard to tell who it could possibly be because it doesn't look like Angela's hands. Another thing is, we mentioned earlier that it seemed like mostly everybody had had a great time shooting this scene. Besides the man who played Angela's body in this scene, apparently Mm -hmm. he did not have a very enjoyable time. So the way that they (laughs) shot it, poor guy, I know, it sounded, I was so, I felt so sad like listening to them talk about it. Because the way that they shot it is they originally were going to do a dildo. And, like, put it on Felissa Rose. And her mom was like, bitch, what? No. Are you <laughs> not? Are you not. N- are you nuts? What are you doing? So then they're like, yeah, you're right. So then they ended up making a, a potato chip thin mask that they painted pink and translucent. Um, That was, like, a cast model of her face. And then they put it on this apparently a college student that they had found and paid a couple hundred dollars to, they put it on his face. It actually looks really, really cool. It looks really good. But um, yeah, I guess that he had to drink a lot to go through with it. And he like cried because he was very uncomfortable. And he has never come forward. The, The identity of the actor has never come out because he does not claim the role, which like, you know, that's unfortunate. I feel bad that he did not have a good time filming this very iconic scene. And I feel bad that like <laughs> it was so uncomfortable. I imagine that that is a very weird situation to it's such a bizarre image. And it probably felt really, really scary to be completely nude mm-hmm. in the cold on a beach with a bunch of people staring at you and you're wearing the face of a child. <laughs> And you're but, holding some little kid's head. <laughs> I know, right? It's just like, man, imagine being one of the most famous dicks in all of film history and never telling a soul. What a life this unknown. Well, it's just like a college student, right? It wasn't even an yeah. actor. No, it's it like just a random a local college, college student. kid. Yeah. So that's a little bit about the filming, <laughs> behind the scenes <laughs> filming of this scene. Um, but what did you think of this? I just, after everything that happened in the movie, it's weird. Like, I expect it to be more shook. I was shook. Don't get me wrong. I was very, <laughs> I was, I was very shook. But when you get the scene of, of Peter at this point, just hissing Ronnie, not knowing where to place his sadness, and then it just goes to credits, <laughs> I just was left not knowing what to think that's really Mm -hmm. like i sat there for a minute i was like and it's over Mm -hmm. and here's my i guess it's like a question and like thinking out loud too is just like the the director uh robert knew how he wanted this movie to end like this ending was planned like before a good chunk of the rest of the movie and my question is why Yeah, it, it well, and when he talks about it a lot, he just keeps saying like, oh, I wanted to do something different. I wanted to do something different that was never been seen before. And so I guess to him, this was like a really big 
you know, twist that maybe people wouldn't see coming or that would shock people more um, than if it was just revealed that it was Angela the whole time. I guess he felt, you know, it's like, because it, it, it is kind of like a twist on a twist because you not only find out who the killer was, but then you also find out this other backstory that, you know, is unexpected, I guess. I just feel like I got like flashed by the movie. Like, I feel like <laughs> the feeling that you would feel if you were walking down the street and somebody in a trench coat just opened up their coat and waved their dick at you. <laughs> I had a similar reaction to the ending of this movie. <laughs> yeah well and i think it's worth mentioning because obviously this is a this is a thing where i like movies particularly horror movies but also this is something that i've noticed in like tv shows and movies from the 80s from the 90s even all the way until the early 2000s is like using like someone transitioning or a trans or a transgendered person as almost like a uh, whether it be a punchline or like ooh isn't this so weird and other and crazy like i i think that that is a thing that happens and it definitely happens in horror movies and so they and they mentioned in the documentary that some people have really you know taken this movie in and claimed it back and then other people are not fans of this movie for that specific reason but the thing about this ending and the way that it's portrayed to me at least is that besides ronnie going she's a boy, which I'm like, you guys really could have cut that line. But besides that, is that Angela is a character that is always being, doesn't really have their own identity. Like, Peter was forced to transition into Angela by Aunt Martha. Like, that was never a choice that he made. And, and it seems like to me throughout this whole movie is that there's a very because we also get this flashback of the twins when they see their dad and his partner they're like having sex mm-hmm. i think is what they're meant to be doing um but they're just kind of like <laughs> they're kind of just like frozen and like holding each other and they're but they're in bed it's an intimate moment and the twins walk in and see it and then it seems like it kind of confuses them about being like sex you know being sexual and whatever that is and that was something that they probably would have learned as they got older but obviously that's never going to happen and so i think that that's the 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 more of that is the reason that Angela is the way that, you know, she is, is that Angela never has a choice within this movie of, like, any of the things that really happen. Everything is put upon Angela, and I think that's where the break comes, is from that, and that's the big, to me, that's the big twist, is that Angela never had a decision or a choice within you know her life mm-hmm. for me especially yeah. and, and even with paul i mean <laughs> the thing about paul that's interesting to me is i was cheer i was rooting for paul we were all rooting for paul until he was an asshole and this man look first of all strike one he kisses her 
And Angela's like, uh, I hated that, but thanks. And then he's like, oh, well, let me do another one. So he kisses her again. <laughs> and then Angela's like, okay, bye. So then they're like running on the beach, Blue Lagoon style. They're like rolling around in the sand and he starts kissing her again. And he doesn't take no for an answer when she tells him that she's uncomfortable. He like continues to push and then he gets mad at her he's basically like oh man you won't suck my dick okay and then he cheats on her with judy mm-hmm. who is actually evil incarnate and so paul i think that that was the moment when angela like really snapped is because yeah because she opened up to paul like paul was the first yeah. person to get her to speak like she felt comfortable and um, safe and safe with Paul, and then he took that trust, and he completely shattered it. So, yeah, I, I could agree with that, too. And mm-hmm. I I feel like coming into the ending of this movie, it's I'm hard-pressed to believe that Robert had that deep of a, of a um, moral that we were supposed to, like, find nah, from the nah. film. I, I'm taking this for myself. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm think... writing this thesis on my own. <laughs> That's how that's how I feel about it, but there's enough. I think there's enough pieces like layered throughout the movie that you can, um, you know, come up with your own moral conclusions to this film because this film doesn't really have a resolution, which I do think is very mm-hmm. jarring um, to see because it's like you're so used to most horror movies ending in some way, like you're getting some wrap up or like something that leads you into the like, okay, this is the, this is the end of the movie. And this one, we have the reveal and then that's it. Mm-hmm. And although it's jarring, I actually do think it makes sense because once the reveal happens, I do think that the movie is just done. Like there's that's not it. really much else after that. Like we can go into the, what do we new, do next portion of the movie? But it's kind of like, why? Mm-hmm. And it's just it was like a weird thing to like ingest at first. But after I sat with it for a little bit, I was like, yeah, no, I'm kind of glad that they just ended it like that. Because like, I don't want to see what happens next. Yeah, you don't want to see the, the aftermath of that. Because I think we can kind of f- figure out, you know, where things will go from here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and, and I think too that it makes sense to me that Angela could do this sort of a thing. Because like I said... Angela's never been to summer camp before. Ricky has, but Mm -hmm. Angela hasn't. And I have a strong belief that Angela probably does not leave the house. I feel like Aunt Martha just kind of keeps her in there and sheltered and doesn't allow the same freedoms that Ricky has. Because even in the beginning, the way that she talks to Angela is like you would talk to a baby compared to Mm -hmm. the way that she talks to Ricky. And treats Angela like... She's made of glass because she's a girl, you know, because to Aunt Martha, Angela is her perfect little angel baby girl. I don't know why I put so many extra words in there. But yeah, like (laughs) to her, that's, you know, she puts Angela up on a pedestal. So I feel like this is Angela's first time really being out with people and dealing with people, which is another reason that, you know, she doesn't speak for so much of it. And so I feel like she doesn't know how to right wrongs like when people wrong her her first instinct is to punish them Mm. in you know numerous ways numerous fantastic creative ways (laughs) (laughs) and honestly 
If I spent eight years never leaving the house without Aunt Martha as my resident mom, I'd probably be a serial killer, too. Oh, my God. (laughs) I can't even imagine what that was like. They probably just played, like, the same. They played, like, Go Fish (laughs) every day, (laughs) like, listen to club music. Angela, (laughs) it's 9 a.m. It's time for our routine Go Fish game. (laughs) I have the tea already in the kettle. Are you prepared for another day of jubilation and cards, <laughs> my dear Angela? Jubilation and cards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, I I feel like it, it, it definitely, you know, you could see where things have gone so wrong. Because, like I said, I, I do think that. It looking to di- to dissect sleep sleepaway camp, I do think that hidden at the heart of this movie is a tale of someone who does not have their own autonomy or like no control of that, um, and it just isn't you know it's brought them to this point. Yeah, but- and then they at the end, honestly, like even in that for how crazy that final scene is. That's probably the one moment in time where Angela slash Peter is themselves. Like they, right. that that is them in their most natural state. And you know, it may be shocking to the viewer, but they're free. They're liberated. So, mm-hmm. and I was, and honestly, and that's oh, that was another thing too. I couldn't remember if Paul lived in this movie or not. Mm-hmm. Um, Spoiler alert, he does not. Oh, no, he sure <laughs> he does not. does not make he it. He does not make it. And you know what? Bye. Bye, bye Paul. Paul. <laughs> I mean, I wanted the best for you, but you didn't deserve it. So bye. True, true, true. And it's like, it's so funny because it's like, Paul's just being a shitty teenage boy, but like, <laughs> and like, I'm like, yeah, cut his head today. off. <laughs> you gonna learn today, Paul. Might be 1983, but you about to learn to respect one. <laughs> <laughs> and it sucks because uh, they, it is cute how Angela opens up to him and he kind of brings her out of her shell. And, and Angela makes like a her first joke. Of the entire, her first and only joke of the entire movie she makes with Paul. Mm-hmm. And then Paul just soils it immediately. Soiled it. Soiled it. Soiled it. Soiled it. And I was disappointed. Disappointed, but not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, shall we? Shall we rate it? Let's do it. Final thoughts? What are we rating it out of? I don't know. You're the sleepaway camp expert. What do you think we should rate it out oh my of? Gosh. Um, we could rate it out of naked butts. We could rate it <laughs> because we got a lot of those and they were pale. Boy, were they pale. <laughs> um, <laughs> we could rate it out of naked butts. We could rate it out of camp counselors. We could rate it out of beehives, out of water snakes, <laughs> out of eat shit and lives. <laughs> um... <laughs> out of uh, softball games was that a softball game or was that a baseball game i don't know it was a game it was a it, game with a ball and a bat <laughs> yeah I, th- I think traditionally you actually play softball a lot of the times but mm, um regardless be uh let's uh, let's let's do beehives let's do beehives beehives yeah let's, okay. let's hit him with the beehives hit him with the <laughs> hit him with the beehive one time <laughs> Beehive two time? Okay. But, uh, hit him hit him again mid-poop. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I'm guessing you want me to go first. Oh, I would love for it. 
Okay. Um. So you know, I think I give Sleepaway Camp three out of five beehives. Mm-mm. Reason being is this is this is a movie. Like I said at the beginning, this is a movie with a with a ton of flaws. There's a lot of flaws in this movie. However, however, a it's a little bit dated at this point. So like you kind of got to go into the movie with that in mind. Like some things just aren't going to be what you expect in 2021. Um, and a lot of the plot and things that happen are really, really ludicrous at the end of the day. <laughs> However, this movie is a lot of fun. It's got a ton of charm. Uh, the characters are fun to watch. The kills are great. The The movie kind of like flies by. I feel like you don't even realize how long you're watching it for. And I think after watching it, even though like, you know, there are things that could be better within the actual movie itself. I understand why this movie has the following that it does. I could very easily watch this movie again and not be bothered. Like, it's just one of those movies where I'm sure I could watch this a ton of times and still get the same enjoyment that I got from the first watch. And I do think that's worth merit in itself. So for those reasons, collectively, I think three out of five beehives is pretty solid for Sleepaway Camp. And yeah. I'm glad that I, I finally watched it so I can get in on some of these uh, jokes and references. <laughs> I'm I'm very glad that you watched it as well. Um, okay, I am going to give this four beehives out of five. Okay. I just really enjoy this movie. I enjoy it every time that I watch it. It's just so ridiculous. But every single scene has something that is I find enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And... I like all of these characters. I love the situations that they get in. I the the kills are super creative and I agree with you. There's just something really charming and campy about this movie. And for me, that usually hits exactly what I need in like a comfort horror movie. And I yeah, I don't know. There's just something about this movie that is like the perfect mixture of most things for me and it is a good amount of time it's not too long and for the obviously now I know what the reveal is but I do remember that first time I watched it being really really surprised by it because the first time I watched it I I thought that the twist was going to be that it was Ricky the entire time Mm -hmm. um so I wasn't expecting the twist upon the twist you know yeah so yeah i don't know i i think this movie is a lot of fun i can understand why people don't like it but i think it's worth a look if you enjoy movies like that um so yeah very nice and i i will i'm gonna echo one more thing again that i said earlier but i do highly recommend after watching this movie checking out that youtube documentary Mm -hmm. about it because for me learning about the production of this movie and how people felt about doing and being a part of this movie really added to the experience for me like erica said it a lot of the people that worked on this movie seem to have had an absolute blast working on it and any movie that was a fun movie for everyone involved and that they all look back and enjoy the experience of, even if it's not the best movie in the world, as somebody who's involved in that world, I always appreciate that. And so mm-hmm. like, I will always respect a movie that was a great experience for the entire team attached to it, even if it's got its flaws. Mm-hmm. I, I completely agree. I think it's really awesome to hear how much fun 
they had working on this movie. And it's also really, really nice to hear that they did their best to shield, you know, the kids from anything that could potentially upset them. Because mm-hmm. uh, even with the even with the scene with the the pedophile cook, uh, that was filmed completely separate. Like Felissa Rose was did her shots without anybody being there, and then the guy did his shots without her being there. And I just I don't know. I have to you have to appreciate a set like that where they really take the time out to like you know think about those things and cultivate as much of a fun environment as possible. Yeah. So, yeah. And apparently the guy who plays the cook is actually a really nice guy in real life. Yeah, so. yeah. They said I guess everybody was like super nice and they said, you know, the two actresses that Felicity Rose apparently the two actresses that played Meg and Judy were like super sweet. Like her and best friends on the yeah, set. Yeah, like her older sisters on the side. But I find that a lot. A lot of the times the best the people who play bitchy characters the best are really sweet in real mm-hmm. life. So and just think about that, homies. Maybe <laughs> take a look at the mirror, reflect. Um, but yeah, homies, that's it for us today. And that is it for Sleepaway Camp. Um, please, please let us know what you guys think of this movie. And also let us know if you would like to subject Roshane to any of the sequels. Like I said, I saw two and three. I know that they made a more recent one. There might be five of them i know there's four for sure but let Mm -hmm. us know if you guys would be interested in hearing our thoughts on any of the sequels as usual you can send us uh, requests recommendations or just talk to us about movies on our social media we are at homies of horror on all social media or if you prefer you can always shoot us an email we're homies of horror at gmail.com and as usual homies we would very 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 much appreciate if you guys would go ahead and scoot on over to apple Podcasts and just leave us a a little rating if you'd like and if you're feeling real froggy you can write us out a review we always love to hear from the homies we love to hear what you guys have been enjoying and what you think so please go over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating or review on there if you'd like. But other than that, we are back to our regularly scheduled Mondays, so we will be seeing all of you homies next Monday, and we hope you have a great rest of your week. Catch you later, homies. Bye.